0: What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. It's the business podcast you can actually apply. And as you know, one of the most popular side hustles, really one of the most popular business models in the world, is to buy a product and then resell it for a profit. Today's guest is an expert at that and is going to walk us through how to make an extra $500 to $1,000 a month in one particular flipping niche. And that niche is something you probably have on your feet right now. It's shoes. Bo Hunter, welcome to the Side Hustle Show.
1: Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm looking forward to this
0: one. I did uh, footwear from the retail side online for years and years as an affiliate. Now, Bo is a full-time band director by day. He's got a couple young kids, but with the help of his flipping side hustle, uh, paid off over hundred grand in debt. So we're going to learn how he got that done and some of the best practices in this particular flipping niche. Your free listener bonus for this week is my list of 20 plus other items to flip for a profit. You can download that for free at the show notes page for this episode at SideHustleNation.com slash shoes. Once again, that is a big list of the best items to flip for a profit at SideHustleNation.com slash shoes, your special listener only bonus for this week. Or you can follow the show notes link in the episode description of your podcast app. Now, I want to start off with what makes this an attractive niche. Of all the things, why shoes?
1: Why shoes? Well, I, if you asked me five years ago, I would have told you, uh, shoes, what, what are you talking about? I don't even like shoes. I'm not a fashion guy. I don't like shoes. I, 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 like, I like to flip stuff. And um, I was flipping things. But as a band director, I was working 70 to 80 hours a week teaching high school marching band in Texas which you know Texas is a big football state so we had 330 kids in the marching band and wow i was losing saturday after saturday after saturday to marching band and and uh, other band related things and i saw shoes everywhere in thrift stores I, I i wasn't really a thrifter i liked to go to garage sales and and uh, look online you know on the apps like uh, offer up and facebook marketplace for for bigger things but I was losing a lot of the opportunity to go do to do that, but I found that I could go to thrift stores and find shoes just everywhere, garage sales everywhere, and I didn't know a thing about them. And it, it turns out that everybody needs shoes, and any all walks of life, any career, that everybody needs shoes. And most people have more shoes than they wear. You know, you have casual shoes, you have work shoes, you have shoes that you bought that. You thought were a good idea, right? You liked them in the store and you got home and, and you end up not wearing them very much. And when it comes cleaning time, you get rid of them and they end up on the shelf somewhere. And so we're not necessarily talking about,
0: you know, high end limited edition sneakers. We're just talking about everyday shoes, dress shoes, not necessarily like collectibles.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- there's a market for that stuff for sure. And we can talk a little bit about that. I'm not a, uh, an expert in the high-end sneaker market. I'm not, I'm not a sneaker head. I've, I've done a little bit of that. I could talk a little bit about it, but most of the people that do that, they, they're pretty familiar with how that works. You gotta be, you gotta be really into it to like doing that. But um, I was just shocked at how little I knew and the shoes are just everywhere. And I was surprised at how many smart people go online to find the shoes they want. And they don't care if they're used. I, I couldn't believe it at first that the people would pay money, good money for good used shoes. And, you know, if you're a flipper now and you don't do shoes, but you go to thrift stores or you go to garage sales or flea markets, it really pays to educate yourself a little bit on shoes because there, there's a lot of money there. And they're so easy with the knowledge that there's not a lot. Of, you don't have to learn how to fix them. You don't have to learn how to buy parts for them. They ship easy. They store easy. They don't take up a lot of space. There's a lot of upside,
0: right? Relatively low price point. Relatively lightweight. Easy to ship. You don't have to build a pallet and do deal with freight shipping to do this stuff. Uh, you can start right. with
1: it's easy to get into. Right, right for anybody.
0: And like you said, they're they're everywhere. They're at you know garage sales, thrift stores. It's just a matter of, like you said, educating yourself on the market, which I hope you'll help us uh, learn a little bit about in this episode and you know, getting your feet wet with whatever you're comfortable with. So maybe talk me through, like the, do, you have, do you remember the first flip or the first pair of shoes that you bought to resell and what made you think that was a worthwhile investment?
1: It was in my own closet. Okay. And that's where I recommend pe- people start. We'll talk more about this with you know, if we talk about sourcing, but you've got shoes in your house you don't wear sell them, clean them up, sell them. Your family members have shoes in their house that they don't want. They're going to donate. Well, maybe they can donate them to you and you can practice flipping them, practice taking pictures of them and listing them on... And I, I do eBay primarily. I Since I'm a full-time, still a full-time band director, I haven't done all of the uh, cross-listing, You know, Poshmark, Mercari. I, I prefer to just focus on one thing and be better at that and that's eBay for you. For me it's eBay. The other ones, and if you can do eBay, you can do the other ones because they're much they're much simpler from what I've experienced with those other ones. But yeah, start in your own closet and start with your family. All right, I just looked this up. It says the average American has
0: nearly uh, 20 pairs uh, of shoes per person. So there's a lot of footwear lying around perhaps inventory in uh, in your own closet. But outside of that, let's say you've exhausted that inventory and maybe that is helpful to get your just test the market out. Like what do these typically sell for? I can learn how to package and ship those things and then go out to the outside world and say, well, how, where can I replenish this inventory? Let's talk about sourcing and maybe some of the criteria and research that
1: goes into that. Absolutely. Again, any thrift store has typically a small area of men's shoes and a huge area of women's shoes. And you know, the men's shoes are worth more, women's shoes are worth less because there's more of them and, and you might want to do this. Oh, interesting. Check on eBay and see how many women, just uh, eBay search women's shoes and see how many are uh, currently listed. And um, yeah, the thrift stores are great. Garage sales, you'll find a lot of shoes. Sometimes you'll find really good shoes at estate sales. Flea markets, there are people who go to garage sales and then they go to, they take all the stuff they find and they take it to their flea market shop and you can find a ton of interesting shoes at uh, flea markets. Church sales, you'll find shoes on Facebook Marketplace and those places, those are usually overpriced and people, they, they want more than the shoes are worth, but they're everywhere.
0: What's a typical buying criteria for you? Let's say you're at the thrift store, let's say you're at the garage sale, you see a pair that looks interesting. Walk me through the process of checking you know, the brand, the condition, the comps, all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the brand is the number one thing. That's what people search for. They know pretty much what brand they want. They know their size, of course. And they know what brand they want. They know they've had it in the past. They're, they're pretty smart and savvy about it. So brand is, is number one. After that, I don't want to make less than $25 profit on a pair of shoes anything less than that uh, it's just not worth my time but that's just me okay and there are there are some times when I want to make more than that because I don't have time if, I, if I'm at a busy time of the year it's like a sliding scale for me and uh, like on the you know on my left uh, I'll take a lower end shoe like a, a 25 profit I'll take it and it's gonna take me 15 20 minutes to clean it up take pictures list it If I'm fast. Yeah. And uh, sometimes if I don't have time, I may want to just look for shoes that'll make me 50 or more. There's less of those shoes. There's a lot of the shoes that'll make you $25, less of the shoes that'll make you 50 or more.
0: Interesting. Well, that's encouraging to be able to go out and find $25 bills if such a product (laughs) existed on the shelves and say like, okay, with a little bit of elbow grease and cleaning this stuff up and effort in photographing and listing it, I can start to make some make some profit there.
1: Yeah, it doesn't take very much time because that, that's how I started. I was buying shoes that were, you know, five, six bucks, but I could profit 25, 30 bucks on them. And then that, that money comes in pretty quickly. And then you can buy a lot more of them. And then, you know, the, but if you do the higher volume, you do have more work to do. You know, of course, with the taking pictures, cleaning, listing, packaging, shipping, there's more work involved. But those shoes are so more, more plentiful. And you know, if you sell 10 shoes that profit $25, bucks, then that's $250. If you're looking for shoes that profit fifty dollars, then that's only five shoes, but those are a lot harder to find, and you won't find those every time you go out. But you'll find twenty-five dollar profit shoes almost every time you go out if you go to several stores. So
0: Okay. So you're buying based on that net profit estimation figure versus, like, especially in, you know, retail arbitrage, online arbitrage from Amazon sellers, they talk a lot about ROI. Like, if I buy it for 10, I want to sell it for 15 or, you know, it's like, okay, I want to have that 50% ROI. And, you know, if it's going to be high volume, I'll accept a little bit lower, but instead like, okay, if I can buy it even for a hundred, if I'm going to make 125 or I'm going to make 25 net profit on it, like that's still okay. Am
1: I -hmm. interpreting that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little more basic of a, of a guy. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I 5 to 10X is kind of the sweet spot. I, I don't like to do $25 shoes unless I have the time, because it's going to take me 15 to 20 minutes uh, if I select the right shoe to get that shoe prepped. So 5 to 10X, the purchase price? 10X is my sweet spot. I wow. Love, I love the 10X. Yeah, no kidding. And Well, everybody does, right? But... <laughs> anything less than five. mm, Yeah. I'm, I'm not super, super interested.
0: Okay. Yeah. Buy something for 10, sell it for a hundred. Okay. I'm, I'm on board with that. Still to come in this episode, some of the specific brands that can deliver that kind of ROI and some red flags to be on the lookout for when you're outsourcing. But first, let me take a moment to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the award-winning invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers, side hustlers, service business owners, agency owners, and consultants. I've been a customer for years. This is the tool that I use when I need to invoice clients or advertisers. And here's what's cool. FreshBooks is unique among tech companies in that they actually don't want you to spend a ton of time using their product. In fact, their goal is the opposite, to save you time on your bookkeeping and accounting tasks. And it's working. Consistent FreshBooks users report saving up to 11 hours a week which means a lot more time to move your business forward, go get more customers, perfect your processes, and do the stuff that really matters. From building, sending, and following up on invoices to processing online payments to automatically tracking your receipt data for easier expenses, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all those tough and annoying parts of running your own business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks Rockstar support team is always available to answer your questions, Seriously, you can call them up and see for yourself. Give FreshBooks a try free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like dot slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. What kind of brands have you seen deliver that kind of ROI?
1: Uh, well, it's it's pretty hit and miss because some brands have you know different levels of of uh, what you can find, and some there's also thousands of brands, and there's also different years and different style trends. Um, so I might find a pair of Lucchese boots for 10, 15, 20 bucks that sell for 350 bucks. So I'll buy those all day. Uh, if I, I mean, I'll, every time I'll, I will, I will pick that up, but I might find a Lucchese boot. That's a lower, like a lower level of their, of their brand that sells for 80 or a hundred. So I don't want to pay $25 or $30 for that one. So if it's,
0: 25 or 35 at the store at the thrift store and the retail price is a hundred like i don't know if there's going to be enough margin in there because used it's going to sell for 50 or something. a lot less okay.
1: yeah i mean used if depending on the condition and we can talk about that at some point that they could sell for a half or a quarter of the price depend depending on the you know on the conditions okay like they're definitely not going to get retail price unless they're very sought after. And, you know, if, if they're trendy or uh, they're popular or they're really durable, well known uh, shoes, you know, like a Red Wing or, um, um, and you live in the Northwest. So you guys have some really, really well made stuff that's, that, that comes out of there. So you could have some pretty worn out stuff that probably still sells for high prices, even though it's worn out. So, but you need to target the brands that are premium brands to begin with uh, otherwise. Or really popular. Okay. Like Cole Haan makes some really bad shoes. Okay. Cheaply made, but they also make some shoes that are really popular and comfortable and people want them. And they have some vintage shoes that are really well made and people still buy those. they still pay a lot of money for those. So
0: does it say the specific model name? Like, on the on the tongue, on the heel, like how do you find out you know what what you're looking at?
1: Every shoe is a little bit different. So if if we're talking about Cole Haan, the modern Cole Hans will have a number in the shoe, and all you have to do is uh, search that number on Google. So if you're in the thrift store or, or anywhere, you just type that number in. It, it will tell you exactly what shoe that is, and then you can go. I use the eBay app, and uh, I'll just search eBay for that shoe, and see how it how it's selling, look at the sold listings and make my decision there like the zero grand the Kohan zero grand are still doing really well they're, they're they're really lightweight they look like a dress shoe, but they fit like a sneaker and they have like a sneaker sole okay um those those are really popular and they, they look great they sell really well so you just have to beware
0: because sometimes it might be a just because you see the Kohan brand, it might not necessarily be a hit because it could be a lower. I guess a lower model. I mean, it's like you buy like the really low end trim of a car, or you could buy like the top of the line something Escalade. Okay,
1: yeah, that's right. But it's it's even more extreme because because Cole Han could you could buy a one hundred and eighty dollar Cole Han shoe that's trendy, and then I I might find it in a store and sell it for sixty, seventy, eighty dollars, or I could find a cheap Cole Han and look on eBay and it sells for twenty bucks, but at the thrift store is five dollars. I'm not going to buy that, you know, okay, so big brands like that usually have a big spread. Another men's brand is um Johnston and Murphy. Everybody thinks Johnston and Murphy, big men's brand. They don't make very good shoes anymore, uh, so they and they make a lot of them. so on eBay they don't they don't bring the big prices unless they're vintage and they're made in America they have different levels of shoe that are handmade and some are not some are glued, some are stitched. Huh, okay. Um, so checking the comps is uh, like you said, I mean, it's really important to, to check the comps. Okay. So you're looking for completed listings in the eBay app.
0: Does the size matter at
1: all? Like if
0: it's, I'm like, I wear 13. It's like, ah, there's there. The market gets a little bit narrower, the bigger, or the smaller the, the shoes are.
1: Yes, it does. So for men's, I don't go below. I won't buy anything below an eight. I haven't hit like a ceiling on the men's because I've sold as high as 22 on the men's because I think, I think those, this is my thinking. I think those guys, they can't find shoes anywhere. So if you have a cool shoe or a comfortable shoe in a 22, that's like a shack sized shoe, right? Okay. Oh yeah. It's huge. And uh, yeah, try packing that with your normal shoe packing materials. (laughs) (laughs) Those I've sold a lot of 17s. And uh, a lot of 15s. 13s go like this. Okay. A a nice shoe that's a 13 flies off the shelf.
0: Okay. That's a great tip. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're harder to come by. Okay.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then, you know, the main sizes like 10, 11, 12, those go really fast too. The women's, nothing below six and a half. I don't, I don't, I don't like to, unless it's really cool and it's a very special shoe, I don't like to go below six and a half. Uh, on the women's side, it's the bigger women's shoes that take a long time to sell. So, anything over eight and a half on the women's takes a lot longer to sell. If it's a great shoe, you'll find women that that are like, oh, thank you so much. I've been looking you know, for this forever. I just can't find my size. And they'll be so happy uh, that you had this shoe. Yeah. But they take a long time to sell. So so
0: that's interesting you think it would be the same like if the big men sizes are flying off the shelves like you think it would be the same just because they're harder to come by but
1: you never know yeah it just it just depends
0: all right well those that's a great tip on the on the sizing thanks for sharing that are there any other brands that you like that have been hot sellers that you're like oh if
1: i find one of these i know it's going to be a good day there's probably 200 or so that that i that are in my brain that i kind of look for yeah gosh that's a lot. Um, I mean, everybody knows the... We'll start with running shoes. Everybody knows the top running shoe brands to look for. You know, you, you've got Adidas. You've got Nike. You've got Brooks. Um, one everybody might not know is Hoka 1-1. The Hoka shoes sell really well. There's a lot of people that really like those running shoes. A lot of people buy Brooks.
0: That was the closest I came to buying a pair of used shoes. Actually, Nike runners because it was like you know this specific model that I'd had a couple pairs of, and then they kind of changed them. Like we went to the store and they like it had changed just a little bit. I was like, well, I, you know, if I could just find the, the kind that I had last time. And so you go on eBay and they were like half off. But I was, like, I don't know. I'm like, are they worn out? Does this person have a you know a funny running pattern or something? But I don't know. My running days are behind me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well and and that's what a lot of you know you, you go to a thrift store and you find a a brooks adrenaline 16 or something something that's older there are people that are looking for just that thing they love the one that they had and they don't like the new one and they don't want to change and they want that one and uh, so you can still sell those shoes if, if they're if they're clean, and like you said, they didn't have some weird running pattern where the the outside's all worn out or the inside's all worn out,
0: okay, so don't necessarily discount the ones that are a few model years old people might be looking for that specific thing as long as the margins are there. it seems to like it seems like it's in good condition. Do you ever come across stuff that's like I, I don't know there's no way I could honestly list this and call it in good condition, <laughs> like there's a hole in the sole or it's just like it's fallen
1: apart, like I don't know about this thing my limit is. Would somebody wear this? Would I wear this? You know, on the, on the running shoes, if it's worn uneven, no. If it's full of cat hair, no. Because <laughs> no. I don't like cat hair. I don't like cleaning cat hair. If, you know, that where your heel goes in, if it's got a hole in it, no. I would never buy anything like that. Or, or, you know, where you put your heel in and it's broken right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like somebody didn't unlace it and they stuck their heel in and broke the heel counter. We call it the heel counter because it's going to cut your heel. I would never buy that or or uh if they're just tears on the sides or if their heels rub together and it's all torn up right there
0: yeah so that's helpful on the running shoe side anything red flags wise on like the dress shoe side or the you know more casual shoe side
1: on the the dress shoe side it's always the same they have a they'll have a leather sole if it's a high you know higher end dress shoe and and this one is This was like an $800 shoe, new. Dang. They're always going to look gnarly like that just because it's it's leather. So the moment you wear it on concrete, that's just going to happen. And but So the first thing you do is you run your thumbs through here. And if it gets really soft right here, it might need a resole. Like right under the ball of the foot,
0: if you're on audio only. Bo's giving us a nice demo here.
1: Yeah, so... And uh, on the toe, if the threads are worn all the way through on the toe, it might need a resole or or uh, some some fixing on the toe. Is it ever worth doing that, or is that something you just try and avoid? Oh yeah, I mean for an eight hundred dollar pair of shoes. Okay, heck, heck yeah. So you you can actually sell shoes that are that have wear, and and if it if it's a if it's a high end shoe, and most people that go through thrift stores they don't know what this is. Yeah, it just looks like a black dress shoe. Yeah, what brand is that? This is a, a Cheney. It's made in England. So no one that goes into a thrift store is going to know what this is. And, you know, if you're listening, you can't you, you can't see it. But I have a little bit of knowledge, and on the bottom it says made in England. And to me, a handmade shoe in England is probably pretty expensive. I'm going to look it up. Also, the nail pattern on the – you probably can't see it, but on the heel is indicative of a Cheney. But um, even if you're just listening, if you look at the back of the heel, you want to see if the heel is worn into the leather of the heel. If it is, it needs a new heel. If there's plenty of rubber left on the back of the heel of a men's dress shoe or a women's dress shoe, uh, then you're good to go. If it's in the middle, you're good to go. Somebody will buy it. Like this shoe is uh, plenty fine. There's plenty of that. If it's into the leather, it's going to need a more expensive repair maybe 40 bucks, depending on where you live. But like this one's in great shape. A leather sole is going to look nasty when you look at it. You just have to look at the threads and then check for soft spots. I guess that's my number one tip is check for soft spots. That'll tell you if the sole is worn out and check the heel. Do
0: you recall what you uh, paid for those? Six bucks. Six dollars. Okay. And you expect to sell for... 400 or
1: something used? No, no. These, they're older, uh, 100 and something, uh, maybe 140, 160, okay. maybe. Still fantastic ROI. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. They're also my size. So we'll, oh, there we'll you go.
0: See. You wear them for a while, <laughs> even better. I, I tested these personally. They work great. I want to ask do you ever source online or is it you kind of want to see it in person? And by online, I guess a couple of different directions. I've heard of people doing Amazon to Amazon flips, like where for some reason the size, you know, eight and a half or whatever, for whatever reason is like 80% off, whereas everything else on this particular SKU is still, you know, at full retail price. So curious about that. And then through any of the marketplace apps, you said Facebook Marketplace tends to be higher priced. People are a little more proud of what they're selling on there, but, you know, uh, OfferUp or Poshmark, any of these other apps, either clothing specific or just general kind of classifieds
1: apps for, uh, for sourcing? I haven't done a lot of that. I have bought, um, some like new shoes online and then resold them for a higher price. But uh, yeah, I, I've always ended up paying more for the shoe than I wanted. So I didn't, I didn't get like the ROI that I would get on the shoe that I just had. Sure. So the, the knowledge that I have gave me the ROI on that shoe nobody in a thrift store would even look at that shoe. Whereas, you know, on Amazon or Facebook marketplace, if it's a desirable shoe, there's a lot of eyes on that shoe. Taking advantage of like the marketplace
0: inefficiencies. okay.
1: Yeah. I I think you could definitely do what you just talked about if you were really savvy. I just have not experienced in that. So I don't want to speak too much to that.
0: Sure. And there's all sorts of you know, crazy software tools that'll, you know, give you the price alert to say like, oh, you know, here's the spread, you know, you got to buy all that you can in this size. And it's, you know, they look at the KIPA data, you know, over the price history of this thing. There's a lot going on there. And maybe that's um, down, maybe that's something to play with down the road. We've got a whole episode on online arbitrage. I'll, I'll link that up in the show notes for everybody too. Okay. But the flea markets, the thrift stores, the church sales, the garage sales, any other places that have been unexpected treasure troves of
1: inventory? Connections. You know, if you are going to do something like this, make make connections with the people that are at those places. I've made good, you know, you, you meet the manager, you let the manager know what you're doing. Like, say, like let's say my my wife had $120,000 student loans when we got married. I let those people know, like, hey, man, well, I got to know them first. Of course, I got to know their kids names and and things like that. And you get to know them and you let them know what you're doing. And then you'll get the invite like, Hey, we, we got some more boxes in the back. You want to go look at it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. And you, you cashiers who know you and you come in often, if you have a routine and I recommend building a routine into your daily schedule, if you're, if you're interested in something like this, you know, you have your daily life, but there's a place here. You can just stop by every day or every other day and make a routine out of it and meet the people, talk to the people it might not be the discount day that day, but if they know you and they they like you and you're nice to them, hey, it's not half off day, but I like you, I'll give you a deal on these and they will just put it in right there. I've, uh, th- that's helped me quite a bit. But as far as other places, that's pretty much what I've stuck to. And my fear
0: would be kind of exposing the the big secret that there's unknown margin in these things. Like, oh, I'm going to buy these for $6 and sell them for 100 And if I'm at the thrift store, be like, "Well, shoot, could you at least give us thirty or something?" (laughs) Before it's like, "Am I that's?" But maybe that's not their mentality. Look, you know, we got it. We got it donated. We got it for fifty cents. Like we're making a good margin on it. You're making a good margin on it. So it's interesting to hear. Like, no, if you build those relationships, they're going to try and help you out because their goal is to clear out that inventory first and foremost, rather than you know maximize the
1: they have shopping carts full of this stuff and they have to put it out and they don't have anywhere to put it. So for me like at the stores that I could do if I can go in the back and get the shoes before they put it out, they're happy cuz they don't have to put it out.
0: Yeah, less work for them and less competition for you.
1: Yes. Yes, which is great cuz on half off day when it, when the store opens it's it's <laughs> it's a hustle. Oh,
0: there's there's other people doing doing the same thing. Do you ever get that pushback? What do you try and explain? You know, I can see you there in the aisle, you're checking comps. And do you ever get people coming over,
1: employees or other shoppers being like, what's going on over here, mister? What are you up to? No, not with shoes. I got over the initial weirdness of checking women's shoes when I first started. i <laughs> like, why are you going through women's shoes? Okay, okay. People looking at me like, uh, uh, no, no, I'm just, I just like women's shoes.
0: If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time to your thrift store. I've got a handful of targets near me. I maybe have to go uh, do a little searching and scanning. Not as easy as scanning a barcode in the Amazon app, but a little bit of legwork trying to figure out, okay, well, what are these things realistically worth in the condition that they're in? Let's say you bring them home. Talk to me about, you know, pretty, I'm guessing pretty minimal prep and just cleaning them up. I don't know. Do you spray like disinfectant spray (laughs) if they smell at all or like just trying to get these things ready to uh, get photographed and get listed?
1: they only need to look good enough where to where somebody would want to put them on their feet. So they don't need to look, they don't need to look brand new. There are some, uh, some products and tools that I used like from the start that I still recommend people use. And, um, they're not expensive. They're easy. I have a lot of products that I use cause I, I have dealt with a lot of different materials, um, with exotic leathers and, and things like that, where you need, you do need to buy like some specialized stuff, but when you're starting out, it's, it's really cheap. It's really easy. And, um, as far as the odors go, I do deodorize anything that stinks. If it's a sneak, like a running sneaker, I do clean the sneaker in the sink and I'll, I'll run it through the washing machine. I have like some special bags that I put them in like the those, those mesh bags and um uh, some plastic shoe shoe trees that i'll put in there and i have a special cleaner that i'll put on there that de- deodorizes them and i'll clean any you know any dirt soil off the sole and the the midsole around the outside of the shoe and uh like this one if you're uh, if you're watching it's got dirt on the sole and on the sides i'll brush all that off in the sink and clean all that up that's no problem problem and and um if it's too dirty, if it's so dirty in the store that it's going to take me a long time to clean it, and it's not the, the profit margin's not there, I just won't buy it. Yeah. But over time, you kind of learn. You learn the hard way. If it takes you a long time to clean something, you just won't like. You'll never buy that again. If you see that level of dirtiness again, like I will never buy a shoe that smells like smoke. Oh, okay. No. Not worth it. It's not worth it. I have a um, ozone generator, and you can use an ozone generator to get the smoke smell out. Or a, a mold mildew smell, you can get that out with an ozone generator. But it's like, it better be worth it for you, man, because it's going to take you a while. Cat piss that smell, cat hair, not going to do it. Not going to touch that one. <laughs> okay, it's too hard to get the hair out. I mean, you you can get you can wrap packing tape around your fingers and get in there and try to get all that hair out, but uh, but it,
0: it better be worth it. I've got several shoe cleaning kits that come up on the uh, Amazon search here. They're all sub 20 bucks. So a little bit of product and a little bit of legwork to get that done. And then you're ready to get it photographed and listed. Have you got, you know, the, the white backdrop, uh, you know, photo studio where you're taking product photos of these things. I do.
1: (laughs) I, I, um, you can find it on Amazon. It's a white photo paper hanging on the wall and it goes over a small, cheap table. I got a Walmart and I've got three lights, two on the side and one on the top. And my photos look better than like most everybody's. So not everybody's, but most everybody. So when I'm looking at comps, I can, I know I can put my prices. I can pick my prices towards the top of the comps. If you're just starting out, you don't want to put, set your price at the top of the comps that you see. If you sort it by highest first. You want to go down about 10%, 10 to 20%, depending on how, how good your listings are, how good your pictures look. Okay. So I have a, I have a white background, infinity-looking background, just because there's a white piece of paper behind what I've got.
0: Yeah, that's great. And so by presenting it as a premium listing, like, look, I'm going through the effort to make this an enjoyable shopping experience. I'm a professional, and it looks good, you know, versus... Somebody else, you know, I'm picturing, I just take the picture straight down while they're still on my feet. you like, here, take them or leave them. It's like, okay, it's going to make it stand out versus everybody else um, on that search results page. So that makes, it makes total sense. Uh, photo paper, good lighting. Anything else that goes into the listing? Obviously, you know, brand, model of the shoe, if you have it, the condition, anything else that goes in the listing or description?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so, the you know, the title, you do brand. Model, if you have it, color, material, style, and then, you know, size. Um, and you try to use up all the letters if you're doing eBay. And you can manipulate the letters a little bit. You know, if it's, if it's a men's shoe and you run out of letters, you can chop off the S and just say men, nine. Or okay. if you need more letters, you can say men, apostrophe, S, nine. Or men, if you need more letters, size nine or men s z nine you can manipulate the end of you can manipulate the size part to fill up all the letters the algorithm likes the full amount interesting so
0: okay so if they give you 60 characters use them all even if you don't have 60 characters worth of stuff
1: to say right right yeah yeah just play around with it until you're using like within two or three of all of them And, and you can usually get all of them if you manipulate the size
0: all right yeah, size nine great great condition buy now clean okay
1: yeah no don't do that <laughs> yeah don't they don't like all that stuff they just like the like the pertinent details they do have a lot of item specifics now they didn't a couple of years ago but it's important to go through and click all these silly boxes about item specifics what is the material of the insole the outsole the blah 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 the blah 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 the blah 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 the Australian size as many of those as you can do
0: Oh, okay. Like all the metadata related to footwear. Okay.
1: Is it vintage or not? Yes or no. If you can just click those boxes, the more you do, the better. Just because
0: people might be using those in their search
1: filters for what they're looking for. Yeah, maybe. Okay.
0: And then do you do, uh, here's the price Buy it now, or you do set them up as an auction. How do you, how does that work?
1: I do buy it now. Uh, I think sh- unless it's some weird special shoe, it's very rare. I would do buy it now, and um, buyer if you're starting out, buyer pay shipping until you figure out what you're doing, and it takes a lot more calculation to to figure out the you know free shipping. You know, I live in Houston. You live in what? You live in Seattle? Is that right? All right. We're outside of Seattle. So for me to ship it to you is like twice as much as for me to sip, ship it to somebody in you know Oklahoma. So if I do free shipping and I'm not a, I'm not aware of that, and you buy my shoe man, that's going to hurt. So when you're starting out, yeah. Um, buy it now, buyer pay shipping. And um, you're probably going to ask me about return returns. Aren't you?
0: Yeah. That's next on my list. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say, well, is, there, is there a time where you transition to free shipping?
1: Yes. Yes. When you have a, like a nice inventory and you're doing well and you're not going to worry about losing a little bit of money, do free shipping because you're going to get way more views. Okay. People are so used to free shipping. You're just going to, you're going to sell more and you're going to lose a little bit here and there when you miscalculate your pricing, but you'll learn. And, you know, you know, kind of, as you go, if you're keeping track of your numbers and watching how things are going.
0: Well, what does it typically cost you to send a pair of shoes, you know, a medium, a medium distance, <laughs> maybe not all the way across the country.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. I just shipped a pair of shoes this morning for eight twenty. In a padded flat rate envelope to uh, North Carolina. Okay. And so the, the padded flat rate env- envelope, I could send it to you in Seattle from Houston for eight twenty. 20 It's the same price anywhere. But those size 17s aren't fitting in there. Okay. No, yeah. Your, your size 13s aren't fitting in there. So those are going to go in a box. To you, is probably going to be more 15 to $16, $17 up to uh, Seattle. Okay. So... If you're doing free shipping, that's a big difference, you know? But yeah, that's something to bake
0: into it, right? That extra eight, nine to, you know, 16, 20 bucks, probably at
1: the higher end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you get the bigger audience, but you also run the risk of somebody in Seattle or California buying your shoes. If you, if you live where I live, sure. If you you know, New York, you, you have to just kind of factor that and you're going to lose a little bit here and you're going to gain a lot of views and you're going to gain a lot of sales. Yeah. So. And that's through uh, USPS. I do a lot of USPS. I do some pirate ship, which sometimes is lower. Sometimes it's not versus the eBay. Okay. Got it. A lot of times FedEx two day and UPS is cheaper. You just have to check them all.
0: Okay. And what happens when somebody gets those shoes? It says, ah, they don't fit the way I thought they would. I don't like them. I want my money back. Or like, do you accept returns? How does that all work?
1: I think you have to accept returns on, on shoes. They can't try them on. They can't touch them like you would do in the store. You just have to. And you have to take such great pictures and show every little flaw on the shoe and put it in the condition description so that they know it's, it's in the pictures. It's in the description. And then I put it again in the item description. I'll put, I'll put, I put all the condition descriptions again. So it's in the, it's in the listing three times. They should see it they don't always see it, but they should. And so if there's any flaws, they don't like fine, you know, whatever, I'll take it back. But if it doesn't fit, I'll take it back all day long. If it doesn't fit great, you know, send it back. Now doing free shipping is a whole other level of calculation, but it's an, also a whole other level of views and, and way more purchases, you know, way, way, more sales.
0: Yeah. Do you have the buyer
1: pay that return
0: shipping or do you
1: eat that? If I was just starting, I tell everybody have the buyer pay shipping Okay, for returns. Yeah, for sure. So you are absolutely sure that you're comfortable eating a return shipping. Cause if you do free shipping and free returns, you might spend $15 to ship it. And then if it costs $15 to ship it back and your profit was only 50 bucks and then you paid 10 for the item, you know, it's like, well, and you did all the work man. you and it happens sometimes.
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the value prop of Zappos in the early days. And everyone else was kind of forced to follow free shipping, free returns, say, you got to try them on. And it was an expensive, <laughs> expensive bottle uh, to run. But you know, they they did pretty well sticking to you know, retail pricing and stuff. But it was not cheap to do that. I know they accepted a lot of, uh, returns as an affiliate of theirs. I would watch my, uh, the commission that I earned in the month, you know, I'll get clawed back the next month, not all of it, but a pretty big chunk of it. Oh, lots of people making returns there. Okay. So that's, I think you got to accept returns on footwear, let people try this stuff on. Um, and I imagine that probably helps, you know, your eBay seller rating and stuff versus just help people, be a kind human. And uh, I mean, do you ever get people claiming this was big in the limited edition sneaker game where, you know, people would claim that it was a fake and eBay has this history or maybe this reputation amongst those types of footwear sellers that the, they always side with the buyer in that case. And have you ever had anybody like claim, oh, this was not a real uh, Ferragamo or this was not a real, whatever it is, like, I don't know. And I I don't know. I found
1: it. It had that label on it. I don't know if it's real or fake. I've had um, one claim like that. And I've sold Gucci, Prada. I've sold all this kinds of stuff. I mean, the stuff that's typically, you know, you see fakes everywhere that you have to be careful for when you're outsourcing. But there's a crocodile ankle boot, full crocodile. This company, the company that it was made, that made, they never made, they never did any kind of embossed leather or they never did any. This one guy was like, my girlfriend and I don't think they're real, so we're going to send it back. And he sent it back. And then I listed them for like $20 more to cover that shipping because I, I did do free uh, shipping on that one. Somebody bought them right away. I mean, they were, they were real. I didn't have any doubts in my mind that they were real. On the sneaker, I didn't have any problem with eBay. eBay sided with me. Everything was good. They took whatever ding, the, the ding that item not as described, they took that okay. off. The sneakers these days, like the high-end sneakers, they have a special service where they they verify the authenticity of a sneaker over – well, it was $200. It might be $150 now, but any really expensive sneaker like a Nike Off-White or high-end Jordan or something, something really yeah. valuable, they send it when you ship it, they send it to a, I don't know if it's a guy in his house that just verifies the shoes or I don't know what it is. Speaking (laughs) of good side hustles. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They send it there and then they send it to the buyer. So the buyer knows it is guaranteed authentic, not a fake. And that's a great service.
0: Okay. And
1: does any of your stuff go through that for, for any of the higher end brands? I've done, yeah, I've done some of that. They they just do sneakers. So I've, I've done some of that. And it's actually worth raising. Like if you have a pair of $175 shoes that won't sell, raise it to $200 or $205. And then it'll get that stamp on the listing, verified authentic, and then it'll sell.
0: Boom. Okay. But nothing from, so in that case, with the crocodile ones, people, they just wanted to return them. That's fine. I can resell them versus, you know, somebody filing a dispute where... You know, this was, you know, a knockoff. This was a counterfeit uh, Nike or something like that. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. All right. Maybe the fear is overblown. Well, the, the buyers are pretty smart. There are a few things to watch out for. I don't know if you're ready to get to the mistakes yet or not, but. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, Nike. If you get a Nike from Marshalls and listed as brand new, that's a problem. Because when you get it at Marshalls, it's not in a box. It's not a retail Nike. You can't sell that as brand new because Nike controls their pricing really, really fiercely. So you're now competing with the retail prices and you're listing it way lower. And that, that shoe was probably like a B or C stock. Didn't have a box. It's not brand new in their eyes. It's like a new other or it was tried on or it, it's definitely not retail new and Nike has been known to to buy those and report you. Oh, okay. Cuz they're cuz they're trying to protect their their pricing. MSRP. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that and it's not just Nike but Nike's the <laughs> the most notable one. Yeah. And Vero, are you familiar with Vero? I don't know Vero. It's the copyright protection or trademark protection and eBay follows it. So if if you if you use the word velcro in a listing, they will yank your listing and give you a ding and give you a warning. So you can't say velcro. You can say uh hook and loop. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, hook and loop straps. This shoe has hook and loop straps. But you can't if you say Velcro because Velcro is a brand name. Yeah Velcro is a trademark brand name. And uh, interesting. Check, those people are very aggressive about finding people who use the word Velcro. And there's a ton yeah. of other ones.
0: Yeah. I mean, like Kleenex and Band-Aid, like these generic terms that have, or have become generic mm-hmm. terms that are actually brand names. That's
1: a really interesting one. So right. tread
0: uh, tread carefully on on that yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. And um, exotic leathers. You have to be careful with sometimes you can sell crocodile alligator. they are two different types. They're separate ostrich you can sell ostrich not a problem sea turtle don't do it you can't do it you can't sell sea turtle across state lines and most people would go well that makes sense but sometimes you'll find that in the thrift store see like sea turtle uh cowboy boots oh
0: gosh really oh that sounds that sounds awful (laughs) like i love i know right
1: yeah 70s 80s they were making sea turtles and, and they're beautiful but that's not that's not good
0: okay Steer steer clear of those for for fear of the
1: EPA or something. It's okay. like a federal offense. And elephant boots, you can sell elephant boots. It's legal. The elephants were culled legally, and the profits from the the leather companies benefit the local communities in these places. Like not in Africa, like where they had endangered African elephants, but but in other places like Asia and things like that, where there's too many elephants they're killing people in the villages and they're allowed to call these elephants and feed the villagers and they can sell the leather and you can look it up online. It's it's legal and it's okay. Uh, It shouldn't make you feel bad, but you can't use the word elephant on eBay you can use the word exotic. And the people who look for elephant boots, they know what elephant looks like and they'll find it and they'll buy it. So there's some interesting, interesting things like that.
0: A little bit of nuance there. Oh my gosh. I had, I had no idea. I just, yeah, I, yeah, not maybe feel comfortable walking around with <laughs> elephant boots, no matter how they were manufactured, but first, you know, whatever whatever floats your boat. Yeah, it's helpful to say like, okay, yeah, the, the things you learn after putting in some reps in the business, um, it's the same in any industry, I imagine. Uh, just, you know, the ins and outs and different rules of the game that you learn uh, by doing it. I was going to ask if there were any either products that you bought and you thought were going to sell and you ended up sitting on, or a memorable flip that you think the, uh, the
1: audience would get a kick out of? Yeah, we had, uh, I mean, just endless shoes that I thought would sell faster than they did and an equal amount of shoes that I thought wouldn't sell, but sold instantly for less than I should have priced them. I, re- you know, you, that feeling you get when it just sells too fast, you're like, Oh man, I didn't realize what I had. <laughs> Is there a sweet spot for, you know, what you would
0: like to see them turn in?
1: Shoes are longer tail sellers they take a little bit longer to sell because you're looking for somebody who wears that size wears that shoe and is willing to wear maybe a used shoe so sometimes they take a little bit longer to sell so anything that sells in a month is great Anything that sells in three months still really good depending on what your model kind of what your model is okay and so when you're looking at those comps it'll show you the
0: last sold date you can see the date if the last sold date is like 18 months ago you're like
1: mm, it
0: was a good price but maybe you don't want to hold on to it for that or, long or
1: yeah when you when you search the shoe it'll show you how many are for sale at first if there's 10,000 for sale and then you go click on sold listings and you look at the sold listings and there's 10 you're going to go no okay okay
0: so sell through rate very low okay okay fair enough Is there anything that you're using to manage the inventory, keep track of what you paid for an item, you know, whether it's listed like kind of the
1: workflow of certain things? Just keep it on a spreadsheet. And um, I keep my pictures on my computer and back them up. And I have a storage unit. It's air conditioned. Humidity and heat are really bad for shoes. And, um, it depends on where you live, how you, how you store them. You can store them in your house. Of course, if you have a closet, you store them in your house. If you're doing small time site, you can store them in your house, but the humidity will kill like synthetic materials, like, like foam. It'll wear them out. Like, uh, if you have hiking boots in your, in your closet in your master bathroom for 10 years, there's a good chance they're going to fall apart. So when I get, when I source, I haven't said this yet. This is really, this is really important, Nick. When you go out and you, pick a pair of shoes up and you think it's good. And you're like, I want to buy these. You have to bend the shoe and then flex it, bend it, and then twist it. And if nothing breaks on the bottom or the sides, then it's probably okay. But uh, I can't tell you how many, how many shoes I've had where they just split in half. The even shoes that look brand new because uh, polyurethane that, that red, that rubber uh, foam stuff on some comfort shoes, echo is a really bad brand. If you see echo, I've made a ton of money on Echo, but if they're not stored correctly, they will just completely fall apart when you do that. Hiking boots, same things. You you know, you go hiking a couple of times and you leave them in your closet for ten years or your garage for ten years, they'll just disintegrate on you. So, bend flex test—that's the number one test you do when you before you buy a shoe.
0: Okay, that's uh, that's good to know. <laughs> Make sure it's it's been stored climate controlled what do you, are you comfortable sharing a sense of the inventory that's in this climate controlled storage unit right now?
1: Uh the max I've had is like 4 or 500 shoes and I've got other stuff in there too of course but if you have 300 shoes you're selling every day you're making money every day. So um, I mean if your pricing is good and you're keeping track of it and you're staying on top of it
0: well this has been awesome. I'm learning a ton. I may have to go down to the thrift store and see what I can find and yeah. Like you said, if you do five or 10 of these a month with that target margin of 25 to 50 bucks or more, then you're all of a sudden you're erasing some bills with this one. And then you can obviously scale it up as Bo has to the uh, air conditioned storage unit with 400 pairs capacity. And um, you'll be off to the races. But Bo, what's next for you? Still got the band director gig. Where do you want to take this thing? What does the future hold for for shoe flipping
1: or other flipping uh, in your future? I want to, like I have a three month old right now, so I'm, I'm sort of chilling on the, the whole hustle thing right now, but I want to get back into the big hustle and, and exercising, traveling and paying medical bills with, with flipping money and traveling with flipping money and saving with the other money. And, and I, I do want to build a cheap course, something, that, something that's affordable for people to walk them through all of this stuff because it's totally achievable for anybody. So that, that, that's kind of one of my next things on the horizon, hopefully pretty soon, is to make a course that's easy and it's affordable to walk everybody through the small details of all of the stuff we're talking about today.
0: Well, very good. Once you have that, be sure to send me a link for it. We'll add it to the show notes. Is there, a, I don't know, do you have a timeline? Is there a place where people can come and join the, the waiting list for that or follow along on social media to uh, stay in touch?
1: Man, I don't but you know like I told you Melissa and Rob over at Flea Market Flipper, they've got uh, a workshop that I've done for them and they have a a list of brands that sell that I've done for them. So maybe maybe they can help. Yeah, I can give you the link a link or something for people to um get that list cuz that's the most helpful thing for people that are just going out in the thrift stores is just, just to have a list of the brands. It saves hours of just looking through comps on brands that are worthless. So if they could get you that, if they'd be willing to do that, that'd be super helpful. If not, maybe you and I can work together. We can get your get your listeners that list.
0: That's right. And uh, Robin and Melissa, I know you've teamed up with them to host the shoe flipping workshop for those guys. Um, they have been kind enough to create an affiliate link for me for that. So I'll link that up uh, in the show notes for you. That's uh, going to be at com slash shoes, com slash shoes. You can find that over there. Well, Bo, this has been awesome. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. It doesn't have to be shoe flipping related, just whatever entrepreneurial wisdom that you'd like to impart.
1: Man, I, I'd say if your heart guides you to something, try it. You know, if if you dive in smartly and learn from somebody who's who's already done it, find somebody on YouTube or find somebody you know. You know, don't don't overwhelm yourself with with all the details of trying to start. You know, this is a problem I you know I struggle with myself particularly with that course that I was just talking about, you know, there's so many details you want to get it right, you know, just go in and you're going to fail and you're going to learn though. That, I mean, that's the most important thing is just, just dive in. And there are niches that, that I thought I was really into. And, and I went at them and I realized I'm not too into that niche. And then I went another one, loved it. Now I'm going to move to another one. And, um, and then I ended up on shoes and I still like shoes years later.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. In a lot of endeavors, done is better than perfect. And you learn so much more by doing the thing and getting off the sidelines and into the game than you ever would just reading about it and watching about it. Of course, educate yourself as much as you can, but you're going to find your uh, your learning curve accelerates once you get in there and actually start trying it. So I very much appreciate you joining me. We will catch up with you soon. I've got a couple takeaways uh, from the call, a couple themes that stood out to me. Number one was this just consistency in in sourcing, yeah, taking a little bit of time off with the three-month-old at home, but you know, filling that inventory. If you don't have anything to list, you don't have anything to sell, you're not going to be making any money. So you got to get out there and um, see what kind of inventory is available. And then the other thing was uh, the power of relationships with these thrift store owners, operators, employees. Where can you get a leg up on the other people who are out there doing that, being willing to Talk to people, not being the guy who this would probably be me, just like, you know, in the corner, <laughs> looking up comments on the, on the smartphone. Uh, it's like, oh, you know, be upfront about what you're doing. People are are often happy to help you out. So again, notes and links for this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash shoes. While you're there, make sure to download the free listener bonus for this week. This is the uh, 20 other best items to flip for a profit. Hey, maybe shoes aren't your jam. Maybe there's something else on that list for you. Again, that's the uh, best items to flip for a profit at sidehustlenation.com slash shoes, or go ahead and follow the little uh, link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Bo for sharing his insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Again, you can start your 30-day free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers and side hustlers at freshbooks.com slash hustle. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.